Great expectation. At the beginning of the year, I was looking forward to a good year. Commodity prices was up after two years in the doldrum. I was planning a couple of trips, looking forward to three family weddings. Then, about 100 days ago, I drove my wife to the clinic at about 1 a.m. I remember waiting at the waiting room, waiting for the results, in fear. I was so glad when the doctor said that it was just a bacteria infection, not the virus. Many speculated that the COVID-19 would end in April. It was not meant to be. Then they say, what about Easter? But it was not meant to be as well. By mid-June, which is now, we are still seeing no sign of it ending. Many business now are closed and may never be open again. Many people are unemployed and suffering alone under lockdown. My friend, we are all in a, in a storm, a turbulent storm. Not just in Indonesia, but worldwide. So it is very relevant to study today's scripture from Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27, and ask God to show us the lessons we can learn from Jesus coming the storm. Let me read from Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was swamped by the waves. But he was asleep, and they went and woke him up, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the man marveled, saying, What sort of man is this? that even winds and sea obey him. In the previous chapter of Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, we saw Jesus as a great teacher. Over the last 2,000 years, men still are in awe at the truth and the power of his teaching. Words like, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Amazing words. But I'm glad that Jesus is not just a great teacher, but he has great authority too. As, as we have seen in the previous series on Matthew, authority over sickness, over demon, over sin, over disease, and even over death. In today's text, we see Jesus having authority over nature, over the functioning and sustaining of our universe. I'm in the plantation business. Weather factors are very important. Two main factors like rainfall and sunshine can't be reproduced however much money you are willing to put into it. It is beyond the control of man. No one can control nature. And that's why the disciples marveled saying, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? They recognize Jesus is more than just a man to have authority over nature. We are in, in the midst of a storm right now. Let's learn from this text the things that we can do during a storm and see how we can have victory over the storms in our lives. But before we do that, let's pray. 
Our Father, we just want to pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, speak to our hearts. Thank you, Father, that you said that the words, your words will not return void. I pray, Father, that this message would be a blessing to the listeners. And not just to them, Father, we pray that they will use this message to, to be a blessing to the people around them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So storm happens. Throughout the whole Bible, we see storms in the lives of the people in the Bible, including the lives of biblical heroes. Noah faced global flood. Joseph was sold as slave and unjustly cast into prison. Moses murdered a man and had to flee as a refugee for 40 years. David was forced to run for his life on more than one occasion. The Apostle Paul was repeatedly beaten, imprisoned, and persecuted. God has allowed humanity to go through difficult times. Read the biography of great men like Abraham Lincoln, Hudson Taylor, and Nelson Mandela. And you see numerous storms in their lives. Malcolm Gladwell, author of the bestseller, David and Goliath, observed that many of the U.S. presidents has gone through some kind of adversity before they became president. Adversity, if properly handled, prepare people for success. Some happens to those doing God's will too. Look at the text. What were the disciples doing? They were following Jesus. They were not just running away after doing something terrible. They were not out there for a le leisurely cruise, getting drunk on the boat. They were doing the work of God. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus warned his disciples, In the world you have tribulation. However, please observe that it is sandwiched between two promises. In me you may have peace, and but take heart, I have overcome the world. It is important for us to recognize that storm happens, and happens even to the most obedient of Jesus' followers. And denial of the circumstances around you will hinder your effort to overcome it. Jim Collins, in his classic management bestseller, Good to Great, said this, You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality whatever they might be. He termed this as the Stockdale Paradox. After Je Admiral James Stockdale, who survived seven years in North Vietnamese prison, which many did not make it out. Basically, what he's saying is that in order to survive, you must possess two main mindsets, one of faith and the other of facing the reality, the grim reality in front of you. Most people handle the crisis in the following way. They would start with the what question. What is this virus? What are the symptoms, etc. After that, they move to the why question. Why did he come so close to me? Why did the government took so long to act? Why are they so inefficient? Then they move to the question about concerning God. God, why God, why did this happen? Why does God allow storms in our lives? Basically, for a Christian, there are two main types of storms. We have the storms of discipline that teaches us valuable lessons, lessons that make our path straight. The author, 
the writer of Psalms 119 verse 71 says, My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decree. Storms of discipline also shows us the authority of God. Many times we are so self-adequate, self-sufficient that we think we do not need God. The second type of storm is the storm of development, which is there to develop our character. It is only in storms and in the toughness of life that man humbled themselves before the Most High and seek his help. Storm of development are there to develop our faith as well. It is times like this do we stop and reflect and wait upon the Lord, the one true God. Don't you agree that we pray more during this time of crisis? Multitudes are saved too during times of crisis. God doesn't always change our situation, but he used the situation to change us. We can use storm and crisis to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. These are important lessons. However, when we are in the midst of storm, these lessons I mentioned above sometimes do not mean a single thing to us. Instead, we'll be asking the why question. These sticky thoughts, they keep going round and round without any answers. If we leave it at that, we'll be defeated. We'll be going through the day asking those questions. We will have restless night with those questions unanswered and bothering us. After a few days, we'll be so tired physically, emotionally, and mentally, and we'll be so depressed. Psychiatrists, psychologists calls them ends, automatic negative thoughts. We need to break out of that cycle by intentionally transiting to the who of it. Who is in charge? Who loves us and who cares for us? And look to the one who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that you can ask or imagine. We can learn how to handle a storm by going back to Matthew chapter 8. We see two things, who is with them and who is able to help them. We need to turn to the one who loves us and to the one who is able to handle our problems. Long before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Understanding this is very important. Why is it important that we need to understand that God is with us? In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus gives the story and illustration of an owner who has 100 sheep and went searching for a lost sheep. Emmanuel is not just a concept. It is a living and active verb. God came to search for us because he loved us. Let me repeat, because God loves us. Imagine what happened when he found the lost ship. The Bible speaks of great rejoicing, both on the part of the owner as well as of the ship. He would minister to the ship, the lost, lonely, hungry, and fearful ship. I imagine he would wrap a blanket around the ship and carry it in his chest, not just to keep it warm, but to show the ship just how much he loves the ship. That's what happened when the Lord is with us. He will minister and loves us. 
during the storm of our life, we need to turn to the one who loves us. And we also need to turn to the one who can handle the storm. The world will turn to the methods of how to overcome this. However, like in this COVID-19, no one knows how to get out of this. Men are clueless. We realize that we cannot turn to ourselves anymore. We need to turn to the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we read the other names of Jesus. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor. What does it mean? Right now, many of us are lost. We do not know where to turn to or go to. Many are unemployed and many businesses are collapsing. And so we need, to, we need counsel as what to do. Not just from any counsellor, but from a wonderful counsellor. Not just from someone out, up there or out there who have not experienced life on earth, but from someone who has lived life on earth, who empathises with us and yet has the power and authority. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The one who is before all things, and in him all things consist. And that person is Jesus. When you're in a storm, you need a mighty God to handle it, to calm it, for protection, to make way when there's no other ways. Who just need to speak it, and it's done. You might say, it is impossible, but we have a mighty God who says that nothing is impossible. You might say, I can't go on, but Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. You might say, I can't do it, but Jesus replied, you can't. And you can do all things through me because I will give you strength. That's what a mighty God can do for us. What about everlasting Father? All of us yearn for a Father who cares to comfort, to love, and to provide and ensure that all things are well. As a father, I would do all things for my children, but many times I have my limitations. But praise the Lord, our everlasting Father has no limitation. He's willing and He is able. Finally, the Prince of Peace to take away our anxiety, our fear and replace it with His peace, a peace that the world do not understand, a peace that surpasses all understanding. All this name of Jesus are so significant in times of storm. Let's get to know our Emmanuel, our wonderful counsellor, our mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Peace who are able to handle all storms regardless of how big it is. I remember teaching my children how to swim. After a couple of days in the pool, they would be able to be at the side and I'll be standing uh, about uh, one or two meters from them and they'll kick and soon they'll be in my arms. And so after a while, I decided that I moved a bit, a bit back further. But when I moved back, they were hesitant. I would say to them, come, come, come to daddy and I will uh, catch you. You must be braver. I was telling my children their need to confront their fear to move forward. Why is that important? So that they'll be free to enjoy the pool and other water areas. So that they'll be able to survive 
especially when we are living in an archipelago nation of 17,000 where there's just so much water so that they can overcome fear. Jesus and his disciples had a similar experience. He would gently rebuke them. Why are you afraid, or you of little faith? How do we gauge our level of faith by the amount of fear in our lives? The presence of fear indicates an absence of faith. It is important to confront our fear by replacing it with faith. My New Year resolution is to increase my faith because the Bible says that it is impossible to please God without faith. And so the disciples have been with Jesus for a while now. They have seen Jesus performing many miracles. Why are they still of little faith? Many of us have been Christian for many years, but why is it that we still have little faith? Faith is something that grows and can be developed. Our faith grows through encounters with the Lord. By focusing on the who, that is Jesus Christ, on his word and on his works. How did the disciples experience that? They turned to Jesus. The disciples were in a boat. There was nothing they can do about the storm. They cannot depend on anyone or anything else. They cannot use money or position or their know-how as fishermen to save them. They only have Jesus. They asked him to save them, and he did. They experienced the authority of God in their personal life. Their faith really grew that day. Six simple words they uttered. Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Matthew chapter 7 reads, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. For any, everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door shall be opened. Prayer doesn't need to be over and over again through tarot, repeating and repeating. It doesn't need to be long and complicated. Prayer is talking to God, and in this case, asking God to do something and seeing God at work. We do not need to be super Christian for God to answer our prayer. I remember a story of an Indian lady. She went to an evangelistic meeting where she heard the gospel of Jesus Christ being able to save and that nothing is impossible with God. And so as she was just going back and contemplating and thinking about the gospel, she, she uh, was passing through you know, a, a jungle and, and as she turned around, she saw there was a tiger and the tiger was about to, to pound at her. And she uttered this word, Lord Jesus, save me. And after a while, she could see that the tiger, instead of uh, you know, punching, the tiger becomes uh, stationary. The tiger, And after a while, the tiger just come down and walk quietly away. So even though she may not have heard the gospel just for the very first time, she was able to have the faith to believe that Jesus would be able to save her. And that's what prayer is like. She believes and God answers her prayer. God doesn't need us to pray long, religious, perfect-sounding prayer. Otherwise, only the scholars and the religious leaders will be able to do that. All we need is faith in God. When our prayers are answered, we need to process it. We need to connect answered prayer with the character of God. We need to marvel and ask this question, 
What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obeys him? It must not just be in the mind, although that would be a very good first step. We tend to forget things that's on our mind, especially as we get older. We tend, we need to process it until it becomes a part of us. This reminds me of the story of the, the Israelites when they were crossing the river Jordan. God stopped the flow of water and they were able to cross the river Jordan. And after that, God told every tribe to gather a stone from the middle of the river Jordan and place it, and they place it in a the, in the circle. What is the reason for them to do that? So that in future generation, when people ask, why are those stones there? Why are those standing stones? Then you can explain to the people who have not seen the miracles of God that God has worked a miracle and that so that the name of God will be glorified. Not just that, but so that we'll be reminded of the faithfulness of God. In the Asian economic crisis of 1998, was a very tough time for me. During that time, I keep a journal documenting the things that God has done and kept and sustained me. I took it out recently and I told myself, you know, if God can rescue me then, surely he can take care of me now. And that strengthens my faith. I would encourage all of us to keep a journal. Least we forget the goodness and the authority of God. And so it's very useful for us, you know, just as the standing stone, so that we can look and be reminded of the faithfulness of God. Our faith grows through our encounter with God's work and through God's uh, work. We should be diligent in studying and meditating on the Word of God until we are able to say, if the Word of God says so, that is enough for me. I will believe it. Today's message reminds me of a quote from Tim Keller. You don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Let me repeat that. You don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. We need to have faith in something or someone. The who questioned. Many people in the world would put faith in themselves. Now their faith are crushed. Some put their faith in others. Likewise, they are now disappointed. And yet others put their faith in humanity. And as we can see in the demonstration around the world, they too are left disappointed. When we see all this failing and Jesus is all you have, you then realize that Jesus is all you need. These last few months of staying at home also make me realize just how little I need to survive. I don't need to eat out, I don't need to travel, I do not need my cars and new clothing. I survive pretty well actually with just you know, some old t-shirts and shorts. So I don't need all these things, but I need Jesus. Note also that this is the first time the disciples experience miracles that happens to them. They have previously experienced Jesus performing miracles for others. I often take stories of miracles that's performed to others a little bit skeptical uh, and sometimes even with doubt. But the miracles that I experience in my own life, I know those are true and those are precious to me. And so even though they may happen many, many, many years ago, I still remember them vividly and, and thoroughly. 
And so those uh, of you who are more skeptical would agree with me. These are, there are many amazing quotes from the late Ravi Zachariah. That one of them is, there is no greater discovery than seeing God as the author of your destiny. We need to experience more of God in our life, but so often we steer towards the safety of our money and comfort instead of trusting in the Lord in faith. And that's why we often do not experience Jesus as our sufficiency, which reminds me of another Ravi quote. The purpose of prayer and of God's call in your life isn't to make you number one in the world's eyes, but to make him number one in your life. Let me repeat that. The purpose of prayer and God's call in your lives isn't to make you number one in the world's eyes, but to make him number one in your life. The Bible says, freely you have received, freely give. We have been blessed with godly counsel and peace at this time. And my prayer is that for all of us to be used by God to give wonderful counsel to those who are seeking counsel. And for us to be a conduit of peace to the people who are anxious and fearful. And to be peacemaker at this time when there are chaos and anger. Increased faith is not just for ourselves, but to serve others and to glorify God. So in summary, these are the four steps when facing a storm. I will go through them very slowly so that you can visualize them in your life. One, we need to realize that storm happens, and it happens to the best of believers. God allows storms to happen. Sometimes it is for our discipline, sometimes it is for our development, and sometimes for reasons that we do not know, and we probably only know when we see him face to face. Second, in a crisis, we need to move from the what to the why and to the who. That is very important, the who question. Allowing negative, automatic negative thoughts to prevail will result in hopelessness. Who do we turn to? We need to turn to Jesus. Jesus is the answer, and in Jesus we have victory over all crises. Three, we need to increase our faith. How? Again, by turning to Jesus, by knowing God more. In my case, this COVID-19 reveals to me Jesus as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Never waste a crisis. Use it to know God more, to know God better. Process and meditate upon God's words and God's work in your life. Process them, journal them, and re be reminded of it regularly. Think about His love for you. And the best way to think about His love is to look to the cross of Jesus Christ. And finally, number four, God has authority over all things. We need to ask him to help. Prayer is important and prayer is simple. We just need the faith of a child when approaching the everlasting father. Simple three words, Lord, save me. The results of prayer is seeing God at work. God won't keep us from being thrown into the lion's den 
but he can close the mouth of the lion. God won't keep us from being thrown into the fiery furnace, but he can ensure that not a single hair on our head is burnt. Jesus has authority over all kinds of diseases. He can stop it. He can cast it out of our body. God can do all this. He has the power and the authority to do them. But sometimes he will, and sometimes he will not. We do not know what God will do, but we know that he loves us. Because when we look to the cross of Jesus Christ, we know God loves us. When we look to the empty tomb and to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know that God is able to do all things. However, not all of us will get out of this in the way that we would like. We would not be able to get out of this crisis in the way that we would like. Some may be, be, may be unemployed and for a very long time. Some may even go bankrupt. Some may experience death of a friend or even of a loved ones. I know a, a person who used to worship at JCF, a good friend of mine, his name is Francis, a strong believer, a sincere person, a very helpful and loving person. He died of the virus a few months ago. Some of us may be praying this prayer, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was the one who uttered this word at the cross during what we call Good Friday. The suffering of Friday and the waiting on Saturday. But be assured, my friend, that there will always be Sunday. Easter Sunday when we witness the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. For believers in the Lord Jesus, because of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross, we now have peace with God. We have now been reconciled with God. And our names are written in the book of life. We may suffer temporarily during this storm of our life when we go on to be with Jesus. Let me tell you, the Bible says that there'll be no more storm, no more fear, no more tears, no more diseases, no more suffering, and no more death. Only joy and glory of being with our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Which led me to my final conclusion. Whoever builds their lives on the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, even though they are in a storm, yet they will remain unshaken. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you are the Lord who has authority over the storm. Father, there's a big storm right now in our lives. And we just come to you in prayer. And we pray these three simple words of the disciples. Lord, save us. We thank you, Father, that we do not need to be a scholar or a you know, most upright person. Or a, but we just need to be as a child approaching a father. Thank you, Father, for the cross and resurrection of the Jesus Christ th that enables us and that empowers us, even though our prayers are sometimes not answered. Thank you, Father, that our name is written in the book of life. Thank you too, Father, that we know that one day we'll be with you, where there'll be no more storms, no more tears, no more fear, no more diseases, no more suffering, and no more death. We look forward to that day, Father, that when we'll be able to share the joy and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. In his name we pray. Amen.